winning within. We're discovering that there is yet a battle, yet a fight on our hands. Amen. And uh, this kingdom life, uh, although what Christ has done for us and made available for us uh, is past tense. What he did on the cross is a closed book. He uh, uttered his last words. It is almost done. No, he said it is finished, complete, done in Jesus name. And so uh, we are looking at the fact that even though we come into a kingdom that we are celebrating a victory, we come into a Christian life uh, that we know uh, we can triumph. The Bible tells us always triumph, not just sometimes, but he's caused us to always triumph. In Christ Jesus. Amen. We know uh, that we are, are fighting from victory, not for victory. We are fighting from the finished work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. If y'all don't remember, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. Right. Resurrection Sunday. We celebrated the victory. Uh, we, we packed the house out. But then just as what we saw naturally, we tend to see a lot spiritually. There begins to have this digression, this pulling away. Why? Because there's a fighting. There's a battle. There are trials. There are tribulations. But Jesus said that there will be trials and tribulations. But he also said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So the thing that we are pushing against and the thing that we are fighting for uh, might not be what we think we are fighting for. I'm here to tell you today that the enemy is a whipped, stripped and defeated foe. You got to hear me today because some of us are still fighting an enemy that's already been defeated. He's he's done with. He, He is not your enemy any longer. He cannot do anything to you that you do not allow him to that you do not allow him to what do you mean he he's bombarding my mind with anxiety he's always you know giving me these depressing thoughts but you can war against that see there is nothing that the enemy can bring against you that god has not already resourced you to fight back with fight Back. And this is the battle. This is the struggle is is we're not fighting uh, an enemy with a pitchfork and horns. We're fighting ourselves. We become our own worst enemy. We have this battle, this struggle that Paul is highlighting here in Romans chapter eight. We've been looking at it called flesh and spirit, starting with verse one in Romans chapter eight. There is therefore now no condemnation. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't need to be condemned. Come on, look at him and say, you don't need to be condemned. We learned last week, you, gotta, you have to conquer this condemnation thing. Because we found out that if the enemy can't attack who you are, he will attack who you think you are. Some of y'all didn't grab it last week, so I'm going to go ahead and reiterate. I said, if he, won't, he cannot attack who you are. You are in Christ. You are a reborn uh, uh, kingdom creature with a kingdom nature that now we've got to allow to start to come out of us. Our talk begins to change and our behavior begins to change and our thought life begins to change. And the people that we associate with begins to change. Not that we can't be around unbelievers, but the people that we associate and hang out with and become like changes there's all kinds of things that begin to change once christ comes in you because what christ did on the inside he expects to show up on the outside 
But where the enemy will defeat many believers is in the area of condemnation. And, and we prayed over that last week. And we took a look at the, the fact that condemnation is putting on yourself something that God has already released you from. That's what condemnation is. And condemnation is what causes you to avoid all the things that God has put in your life to allow you to become stronger as a believer. Condemned people don't go to church because they feel like if I go to church, I'm just going to hear another message that makes me feel more condemned. Condemned people don't have a lot of Christian friends because they feel like their Christian friends are condemning them. They don't read the Bible because if I read the Bible, I'm just going to feel more condemned. This is what the enemy wants to do to believers that have come out of a fleshly carnal uh, or uh, uh, unbeliever come out of darkness. And when they come into light to get you to, to keep you from accessing everything that's available to you in the light, he'll make you think you're still in darkness. Because as you think, so you live. I can't go anywhere that my mind doesn't go first. I can't change anything in my life that I don't first change my thinking on. That's why the, the mind is so important. And we'll see that here. He says, there is therefore now cond- no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But there is conviction. There is conviction. Conviction only has one goal, correction. Conviction only has one goal, to correct what is incorrect. To change, to manipulate, to alter that which is going in the wrong direction. So the Holy Spirit will come to convict, but he doesn't do it in a condemning way. Jesus said in John chapter 3, he said, I have not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Amen. We took care, we took care of that last week. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And now Paul is beginning to highlight this battle that we're talking about. See, you know, if you don't discover how to win within, you'll continue to lose within. And it would be it's such a sad case that we have believers that continue to lose the battle that's already been won. It's a sad case that we as Christians and as believers, we lose a battle that we've already gained the victory over. And I can have victory in totality, but I can live defeated day by day. Defeated in my mind and defeated in my finances and defeated in my relationships and defeated in my anxiety and defeated in, 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 in my body. Even in our physical bodies, we live defeated because we don't understand or comprehend all that Jesus made available, all that he's already made available to us through the stripes on his back, the holes in his hands, the blood that was shed. The price has been paid. Amen. But we have to learn to access this. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh. This is a qualifier now. That word walk can also be translated live. Those who do not live according to the flesh, but according to. To the spirit. What does that mean according to? That means who's in charge. That means who's in control. See, you've been given a renewed, regenerate spirit on the inside. Every person in this room, you uh, are a spirit. You possess a soul. 
which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a flesh suit. And every person in this world, you fall into one of two categories. You're either in the world or you came out of the world. But every person in this room at one point in life associated, lived according to their flesh. That means the sinful nature that is governed and ruled by darkness, by Satan himself. Before you came into the kingdom, you only did what he wanted you to do. You could not do. You did not have the power or the potential or the capacity to live according to the word of God. This is irrelevant to unbelievers. You have to come into the kingdom for it to become relevant. You cannot live according to principles. You cannot live a good life and grab a hold of all that Jesus made available for you through the cross. It doesn't work that way. You have to come into the kingdom of God. You have to come out of darkness into light. But the problem is, is we want to come out of one culture and we want to bring a little bit of that culture with us. Everybody, when they get born again, we've all got stuff that we want God to take away. We all have stuff that we want to let go. But but then there eventually comes a point where there's stuff that we don't want him to touch. (laughs) Then there come the things that, you know, I'm okay with that. And I think it's okay for me to do that, live like that, talk like that. You know, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven one day. So we've got stuff that God, God help me with this addiction. God, help me with this issue. But then he, he'll start to dabble and start to work on the stuff that maybe you didn't think he was going to mess with. That happens to all of us. I'm telling you, he'll, he'll mess with that stuff as long as you're on this planet. There's stuff I have to cut off today. The Bible tells us, let go of every sin and weight. That easily. Eventually, once you've gone through all the sins, God will start messing with the weights. He'll start tackling the stuff that's just a weight. It's just holding you back. That's all. He, he wants you to run your race to the best of your ability. He wants you to accomplish all that he's made available to you and all that, that he has for you. He wants you to access those things. He's made them available. They are free to you. But there are things that hold us back, that keep us. We're, we're trying to reach for what God has for us while holding on to something from the past. And he's saying, if you just let that go, I would just open all this stuff up for you. So what are we controlled by? We're either controlled by the flesh or we're controlled by the spirit. How do we do that? Verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, watch this, set their minds. On the things of the flesh. So if we live according to the flesh, he's saying that that is a product of where your mind is set. It's a product of your mindset. That's where we get that word from. Because you have set your mind on things of the flesh. Therefore, you produce things of the flesh. How do I fix that? Well, he keeps on going. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds... On the things of the spirit. Well, that, that, that's pretty easy. So if I want to live according to the spirit of God, then I've got to first set my mind. That's what we've been talking about. Setting our mind because your mind is the battlefield where this war is taking place. It's all right here. The enemy can't touch your finances until he touches your thinking on finances. He can't touch your physical body with sickness until he touches your thinking on your on uh, what the word of God says about sickness and disease and healing. The, the enemy cannot touch anything in your life. He does not have access to it, but he has to go through your mind. 
It's all about where you set your mind. Now, this is interesting to me. And we also see it in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, that the setting of the mind is our responsibility. That tells me I can't pray this thing off. God, just help me overcome the flesh. He said, I did. I've done everything I need to do to help you overcome the flesh. Set your mind. Set your mind. Change your thinking. Stinking thinking, right? And we all got it. This is why you got to deal with condemnation first, because this is where that this stuff starts setting in. It's like, man, I've been thinking like this. I've been, hey, it's okay. This is why we're preaching this. This is why we're teaching this. It's so we can receive the word and that we can apply it to our lives and say, you know what? I don't have to think that way anymore. But I will only produce what I think on. That's what this verse is telling me. Set your mind. That's your responsibility. He says, I've done my part. Now you've got to do your part. I've done my part. I sent my son the greatest sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. He died. He bled. He was uh, beaten. He was uh, uh, humiliated. Uh, uh, Stripes on his back, holes in his hands, died on the cross for your life. He rose again that you could live in the very life that I've made available to you. But now you have to set your mind, set their minds. Colossians chapter 3 tells us, set your mind on things above, not on things below. It says, set your mind on things above where Christ is. Where Christ is. So my life is a product of my thinking. My life is a product of the battle that I fight in my mind. And the winning and the losing on the outside is determined by what I set my mind on. If you want to win in life, you've got to first win in the mind. You've got to first win where the battle takes place. He says, for to be carnally minded is death. Now, what is this word carnally? This word carnal means a believer that still produces the flesh. That's what carnal means. Unbelievers cannot be carnal. They're just unbelievers. They just produce what the world does. They produce what the kingdom of darkness tells them to do. But carnal means that you're in the kingdom, but you're still living according to the old nature. Paul calls it a nature. You have become a new creature, but you are behaving to a different nature. You are a new creature. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 tells us you are a new creation. That means creature. In Christ Jesus. What does he say? The old is gone. The new is become. But you still have the responsibility. We still have the responsibility. Do I live according to the old man or do I begin to produce the new man? How do I produce the new man? I start thinking like a new man. I set my mind. That word set means to become fixed, immovable, founded and grounded. That's not double side. That's not uh, double minded. That's not just casually getting the word. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about roots and fruits because we all want different fruit, but we don't want to work on the root. We don't get the fruit until we take care of the root. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is not interested in behavior modification. He is not interested in just trying to flash up the stuff on the outside because uh, uh, Jesus, God, looks at something different than man does. 
Man sees what's on the outside, but God sees a little different. He looks at what's on the inside. And, and, and Jesus is not interested in just changing your behavior and you just looking good and just putting on the church face and putting on the, the, the Sunday dress and, and, and making everybody think you've got something that you don't. God is really interested in working at the foundation, at the root level. But you know what? That's where the hardest work takes place. We can all dress up something on the outside. That's easy. We can all make something look good on the outside while it's dying on the inside. We have gotten really good at that. And that's one of the greatest lies of the enemy because we will buy the fact that just because it looks good, it is good. I mean, we've been doing that since Eve. She looked at the fruit and she saw that it was good. But it wasn't good. And and, and this is the thing. We've got to learn to discern between good and in God. We've got to learn to discern between good and God. Just because it's a good thing does not mean it's a God thing. Because the last time I checked, everything that God created, he looked at it and he saw that it was, well, how come we can't eat that fruit? Because it's not a God thing. It's not a God thing until he puts his blessing on it. And a lot of us are taking fruit that's only good, but it's not God. So we got to change this. For to be carnally minded is death. That means the root is carnal and the result, the fruit, is death. But to be spiritually minded. So the root is spiritual, meaning godly minded. And the fruit is life and peace. And then he goes on to say this, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means it's an enemy of it can never be changed. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And that's not something we talk about in church a whole lot. We talk about God loving us, but we don't talk a whole lot about God being pleased with us. God loves you. You know, the, 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 the crazy thing about God's love is there's nothing you can do on your part to make God love you. All you have to do is exist and he loves you. <laughs> You're his creation. You're his prized creation. All you have to do is just be born, show up in this planet, and he loves you. And he's already paid the highest price for you, whether you accept it or not. He's already done as much as he's ever going to do for you. But now being pleased with us. That's a, that's a you know, I, I, use my, I use an example with my son. I love Camden. Always will. There's nothing he could ever do. Uh, Think of the worst thing he could ever do. And and I would always love him. But that doesn't mean that I'm always pleased with him. I know I'm the only parent that has those moments, but I have those moments where he doesn't quite please the father. I love him. But my pleasure in what he's doing and how he's acting, how he's behaving, what he's doing is different than my love for him. And so God loves us, but God also wants to be pleased by us. 
We are his good pleasure. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I mean, we are the, he wants to show you off to the world and say, this is what can happen when you receive what my son did. This is what happened when you receive the price that I have paid. This is what can happen. He wants to be pleased by us. Look at Matthew chapter 7. We're going to dig into this, roots and fruits. And Jesus dealt with this when he was on the planet. Matthew chapter 7. We're actually coming in on the back end of probably the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 15, he says, beware of false prophets, false prophets, prophets are good, false prophets are bad. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, that's what we're talking about, right? Winning within on the inside, but inwardly. They are ravenous wolves. Well, how am I supposed to know, Jesus? Well, you will know them. You will know them. You will know them. It's not just saying I will know them because we know he knows. But he says you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs? From thistles, even so, every good tree bears good fruit. If you're a good tree, you are going to produce good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down. And thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their, by their fruits, you will know them. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like something that's acceptable. They produce, they, they, they have fake fruit, if you will. Fake fruit. And so Jesus' answer to dealing with This type of behavior dealing with this issue of producing bad fruit. He says, you've got to go to the root. You've got to get to the root of the issue. Because if I don't change the root, I'm not going to change the fruit. You cannot change fruit. I've used this example many times. Many of y'all are probably getting tired of hearing it by now. But I've told you the example of of the individual that had an apple tree out in his backyard. And uh, it wasn't producing any fruit. It was, you know, it wasn't doing very well. And so his wife told him, he said, hey, I, you know, can you go work on that apple tree? It's not producing any apples. What's the problem? So he went to the grocery store, picked up a bunch of apples and stapled them to the tree. And he said, there you go. You got an apple tree. You've got apples on your tree now. What's the problem? Only problem is, is next time I want to go out to get fruit, 
because we didn't take care of the root. I'm going to have to continue to modify the outside when I could just work on the inside and it would produce the thing that I'm trying to get. Jesus is not interested in just modifying what's on the outside. He says, I don't want sheep if you're in. I, I don't want sheep on the outside if you're a wolf on the inside. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for people that can play the part. I'm not looking for people that look good. I want to find people that are good. I came and died and gave everything that I had, the ultimate sacrifice, to change what's on the inside. So that it could then begin to produce on the outside the fruit that we're looking for. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who what? Does, does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Looks good. Cast out demons in your name? Looks good. And done many wonders in your name? Looks good. And I will declare to them, I've ne- I never knew you. Depart from me, watch this, who practice lawlessness. Preaching was designed to be practiced. Y'all aren't going to help me preach at all today, but that's okay. (laughs) Preaching was designed to be practiced. Practice, that means it's put into application in my life. He said the ones that are going to produce the fruit that I'm looking for, they do the will of my father. They don't just talk it. They don't just dress it up, you know, when they get around all their Christian friends. But they allow the word to take root within them. Change what's on the inside. Because you can prophesy my name and still practice lawlessness. You can cast out demons in my name and you can still practice lawlessness. And you can do wonders in his name. Wonders that everybody else will see and say, man, they must be a spiritual person. And God says, Mm-mm, you're not practicing my word. You're not doing the will of the Father. Preaching. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, God is just not interested in you posting his word. He's interested in you practicing his word. <laughs> We've gotten really good at posting it. We throw it up on our Facebook and we can throw it on our Instagrams and we can throw all the, you know, the, the, the top three quotes from this past Sunday's message. But then he's wanting to say, are you actually putting it in your life or are you just putting it in your Instagram? The Instagram, which everybody sees out there, but they don't see the real you. You, you only post the good stuff, right? Nobody posts the bad ones. I've got friends that are photographers and they've got, you know, everybody thinks that a photographer, you know, does a wedding or something like this. And then, you know, the next day they can get their photos. Nope. Because there's only about 10 good ones out of the thousand that I took. Isn't that right, Aaron? Why? I'm weeding out all the bad ones so I can produce, I can put out. You only put out your good side. And so we've, we've, we've fallen into this culture and we've fallen into this thought process that I only have to present, but I don't have to practice. And God's saying, no, 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 no. 
I'm looking for those that are going to practice. He goes on to say, therefore, anytime you see that word, therefore, there's a reason it's therefore. And you can look right back. It's referring to what he just got done saying. So therefore, connecting it, whoever hears these sayings of mine, hears like you today, you are hearing these sayings of the father, not just me, but what the father is saying. Whoever hears these sayings and does them. There's the qualifier. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was what? Founded on the rock. This is the one that hears and does. Hears and does. But everyone who hears. So right here in this room, we could have people that will have a house fall down. While we have the uh, people that have a house that stands up, both of them hear the word. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. The only difference, they go to your church, guys. They sit on your row. They listen to the same. They've, they've got worship songs on their phones, too. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, the more you hear and the more you listen, the better chance you have of doing the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing not not faith. It doesn't say faith comes by having heard. I heard that one time. No, faith comes by hearing, staying in it, consistent with it. Right. The athletes that produce the best results on game day are the ones that stay consistent in the practice. Well, I don't show up to practice. I don't, I don't need to rehearse. I don't need to work on it. Okay, well, let's see how you do come Sunday versus the ones that have been working on it all week long. Amen. There's got to be a practice, got to be a consistency. Everyone who hears these sayings and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall now let's 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 y'all ever done those highlights magazines you know in the doctor's offices where you got to find the differences between two images let's find the differences between these two images both have houses both hear the word both hear the word and this is the interesting one both have storms well, I thought the more I go to church, I wouldn't have any, I wouldn't, the devil would leave me alone. <laughs> no. That's why we're talking about winning within. We wouldn't need to talk about winning within if it was impossible to lose. The fact that we're talking about winning tells us that there is opportunity to lose. Both have houses. Both hear the word. And both receive trial. Both receive storms. Both have waves that beat on the house. What's different? One of them does the word. One doesn't. What's different? One of them is founded on a rock, a sure foundation. The other one is founded on the sand. And I'll tell you what. We love building the houses where it looks the prettiest. 
But sometimes building the house where it looks the best doesn't mean it's going to stay the best. We all want that beachfront property, but it's dangerous when you work on the exterior more than you do on the interior. My wife right now is looking for all kinds of decorations and all kinds of stuff for this church and the, the artwork and all the different things. And I can promise you, I bet you haven't looked one time on Pinterest for foundations. I bet you can't find it. Pinterest probably doesn't have a foundation page. What's the best kind of foundation? What's the thickest foundation? How wide should... But, but we spend all this time Pinteresting and looking at all the stuff that's going to make it all beautiful. But then when the storm comes, it all comes down. Well, maybe I should give some more interest and some more investment in the foundation. What is this thing built on? Before I start working on beautifying it. It's the foundation that was different. What are you founded on? We can't. And look, these trials, these storms. You should thank God for the storm. I'm going to help you out today. You need to thank God for the trial and you need to thank God for the storm. How do you know if the word is in you? How do I know when the word is in me? You don't know what's in you. Until something forces it out of you. Now you got to hear me. And I'm not condemning. But we have got to quit. Talking it up and praising when, it, when, the, when the skies are blue. Not a cloud in the sky. Not a drop coming down. But the second the storm comes, all of a sudden we just break apart. Now we're finding out what you're really made of. And the trial will produce what's really in you. You can fill a sponge up with water, but it's not until you add pressure that it comes back out. And you should say, give me a trial because it's only going to prove that the word is inside of me. Bring the storm. Bring it. And I'll show you what's really inside of me. Let them talk bad about me. I'll show you what love really looks like. You hear me? Let the doctor tell me I've got six weeks to live and I'll show you what's really inside of me. I'll show you there's faith inside of this thing. I dare you to bring a storm because you're only going to prove that I've been putting the word inside of me. People that don't put the word in can't talk like that. Let them tell me my kid isn't doing well at school. I'll see, see what anxiety comes up. No, because I know that I, I can... Be at peace with anything. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, I dare you to try to make me anxious, devil. Go ahead, ask some pressure. See what comes out. That's what happens when you put the word in. See, you, you can't be disgusted with the fruit that's produced when you disregard the seed that is planted. I said, you can't be disgusted with the fruit that is produced when you disregard the seed that goes in. Because what goes in will come out. Those who set their minds on the things of the flesh, they produce that result, death. Those that set their minds on the things of the spirit, they produce that result, life and peace. I don't know about you, pretty easy option. Here's some death, here's some life and peace. Which one are you picking? 
Last time I checked, my Bible says that even God put that before his people. I'm going to put before you life and death. I'm going to give you a test, 50-50 chance, true or false. Here you go. Here's life, here's death, and I'm going to help you out. Choose life. (laughs) And we still have people choosing death. Still have people choosing to just hear a word, but not actually apply it. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them, founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine. Come on, we need a church full of people that hear and do. Hear and do. I want to be a doer of the word. James 1 verse 22 says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. And then he says this, deceiving yourselves. Oh, man. You mean I will begin to live a deceived life if I don't do what I hear? That's the result. Deception. Deception sets in. Because I've chosen to merely hear but not apply. Merely take in but not put it anywhere. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells the the parable of the sower and he says that the sower sows the word and the word fell on all these different types of soil. Four different kinds, as a matter of fact. And out of all the different kinds, only one type produced. What's that tell us? He says that's that you got about a 25% chance. That the seed that is sown will take root and begin to produce fruit. But I cannot produce what I have not put in. You can't produce peace when you have been feeding yourself with anxiety. You can't produce identity and knowing who you are in Christ when you've been feeding yourself condemnation and depression. You can't produce healing in faith. When all you've been putting in is just listening to what the doctor says. Hey, the doctor's got a report. Great. Thank you for the facts, Doc. Now I know where to put my faith. Now I know where to put my prayer. You've just given me something to attach my faith to. Faith needs to attach itself to something. And you start welcoming those trials. You start welcoming the storms. But you find out what what is really in people when the storm hits. You can sound all good on Sunday and you can dress it up real good in here and, and you can. And, and, and but but then when the trial shows up, when people start abandoning them or or people don't treat them right or, or they start getting reports and, 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 and different things that attack them and come against them. Now we start seeing the pressure that what's coming out. I don't know about you, but I want to. Produce. The word. I want to hear the word and do them. Second Timothy chapter four, last verse. I want you to see something. I, I feel like this really drives it home. You know, if, if I wrote the Bible, I should write a book called If I Wrote the Bible. If I wrote the Bible, And I were the devil. I would try to keep people 
from this, from his word. Because this book right here, I'm teaching a, a, a class in our Kingdom Institute right now on homiletics, which is just a fancy word for preaching, how to preach, how to prepare sermons and outlines and preach. And I don't really know why I'm teaching it, but they, they wanted me to teach it. So great. And so I'm teaching them, but I was telling them that because we have a book, the, the preacher, you, you can't replace this. You can't replace this. And I think a dangerous thing that, that we have seen is, is we all have our favorite preachers and we all have our, our messages that we like to hear. And we all have our, uh, you know, podcasts and blogs and, and our pastors, obviously. Uh, uh, that's got to be a priority. You, you don't need to listen. I'm just going to tell you this. You don't need to listen to anybody else more than you listen to your pastor. If I'm your pastor, I'm telling you. I'm just going to tell you. I shepherd you. You can listen to someone else all you want, but you, who are you going to call when someone's in the hospital? Who are you going to call when someone you get a bad report and you need someone to stop and pray with you and agree with you? Who's going to come visit? I am because I shepherd this flock. This is the responsibility that the Father's given me to steward over. I'm just going to put that out there. That's free. No extra charge. But we have the Word of God. And so if I were the devil... In that garden, I would try them to pull them. I would try to pull them away from the word. Try to eliminate their access to the word. But what does he do? He runs them straight to the tree that is called the knowledge of good and evil. Isn't that interesting? Here in Second Timothy chapter four and verse three. I'm going to show you. I'm going to tie this together now. Second Timothy chapter four and verse three. Make sure I got the right one. Oh, I'm in first Timothy, second Timothy chapter four. There's two of them in there. Second Timothy chapter four and verse three. For the time will come when they will not endure. Watch this. Sound doctrine. It doesn't say a time will come when they will not endure doctrine. In the last days. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears. They will heap up. Heap up. That means piles upon piles upon piles of teachers. That's interesting. I would think in the last days there would be less teaching and preaching. And he's saying, Paul, who's writing to Timothy, talking about the last days, 
You're going to have so much of it, you're not even going to be able to know how to funnel it properly. You're going to have access to so much teaching and so much preaching and so much doctrine that you won't even be able to determine sound doctrine from good doctrine. He says the last days, it's not going to look like people that are abandoning the word of God. It's going to look like people that are listening to so much and taking in so much with their mouths open like baby birds, just swallowing anything that comes in. He says what you're going to need in the last days is discernment to determine the good from the God. Because there's going to be a lot of stuff that sounds good, but you're going to have to determine only back to this book. Because, man, we've got more books written by Christian authors than we've ever had on this planet today. We have more blogs and podcasts available to you today. You could look up, you could Google, you could YouTube. You've got access. It is literally as far as your head is from your hand. That is as far as you have to go to get the best stuff. Paul didn't have that. Timothy didn't have that. Jesus didn't have that. Peter didn't have that. The apostles and disciples, all they had was his teachings and his writings, and they had to go off of what Paul was literally writing from a jail cell. We've got so much of it today. Now, why is that dangerous? Because I can feel like I'm rooted when I'm not. It creates it creates a false accomplishment. Well, I I listen to him all the time. I was driving in the car, had YouTube playing, driving in the car. I was listening to his podcast and and I do that. I listen to the word. But but the danger that we haven't bought into is the more you hear, the more you're responsible for. I want us to see that winning within is within your capacity. Every single person in this room, there's not one person That's eliminated from winning daily. Daily. Winning every day. There's not one person that's eliminated. There's not one person you don't have access to that. There's not one person in this room that it's not available to you. it's, It's right there. It's right here in this book. You've got access to win. You don't have to respond out of hatred anymore. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be anxious and concerned anymore because the peace of God that passes all understanding, it will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. You don't don't have to live from the flesh anymore because you've been given a new nature. But, But see, this is the thing. Whichever one you feed becomes stronger. Am I feeding my flesh or am I feeding my spirit? In the last days, we're not going to have limited access to the word. We've got more today, 2018, April 22nd. We've got access to more word than any human being that has ever walked on the face of this planet. And I'm I'm going to tell you, you live in the wrong country. You live in the wrong country to not be able 
to produce what God wants us to produce. Got a friend of mine right here from Valdosta. Just got back from Liberia telling me the stories that he heard. He said, he said, I had to, it took me three days to stop myself from saying, just get in the word because they don't have one. And so then I started handing out Bibles and I realized they can't read. So they're trying to hand out these things that they call proclaimers and it can it, it reads the Bible to them in their language. And it can go out a certain amount of uh, acreage or, or whatever. And they can just set that up in their town or their village. And they can hear the word because they can't read it. And, and, and we have it right here. Right here. Love your neighbor as yourself. Honor your father and your mother. Just the simple stuff that helps us win every day. I'm, I'm not talking about these huge, massive battles. I'm talking about daily winning. Making a routine of responding out of the spirit and not out of our flesh. Sometimes it's having too much of something that causes us to devalue what we really have. This is where we've got to roll it back. And you can put me back, you can put me in the group with the traditional preachers. I'm not even that old. I'll be 35 next month. But what but what I'm about to say isn't said a whole lot. You know, when I was a kid, we sang this song, read your Bible and pray every day and you will grow, grow, grow. This is how we do it. I Sometimes people, I'll counsel people and uh, work with people, and if I do it repeatedly, the first thing I try to gauge in the next meeting is what have you done or changed since the last one? Because we, we live in a day and age, again, where you have so much access that we can feel like if I just get another word, if I just meet with a different person, or if I just have a different mentor, or a different disciple, or, 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 or uh, uh, you know, different accountability, that, that'll change. No, no, no. Maybe sometimes God has already placed the people in front of you that are putting the word in front of you. And if we would just apply that, we would see the change that we're looking for. It's not a new person. It's not a different church not a different friend. It's not a different environment. Well, maybe if I just pick up and move, I just can't do it. You got to do what God tells you to do. But, but, but everywhere you go, guess what? You take you with you. <laughs> you take yourself with you. You are the common denominator. Every different relationship, every different city, every different church, because none of them are perfect. There's no perfect mentor out there. There's only a perfect word and a perfect God. And if you get hooked up to that, he'll change you from the inside out. 